I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, no, it was just an amazing night, mate. It was just an amazing night, and no one can take that ring off me. I know, I know, I didn't play Australia or Origin or anything like that, but to win a grand final, my mates, you can't beat it. Down the blind, Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today, I bring you part two of our interview with Brent Shifty Sherwin, of course, the 2004 Premiership winning halfback out of the Canterbury Bulldogs. If you haven't listened to part one, scroll back to last Tuesday. We dropped part one. He went through the start of his career, coming through all the junior grades, and it all sort of leads up to this year. This year, it's 2004, and this is the year where Canterbury, they do win the Premiership, but it starts off with absolute chaos. There's the Coffs Harbour scandal. Brent will talk us through that, how it affected them during the season, and then, of course, they get all the way to the grand final, and they're taking on the Sydney Roosters. This is the grand final that Rugby League have been waiting for for two or three years. The storyline surrounding this was like nothing we have ever seen before. Brent talks about that game. He talks about some of the uh, some of the low-key MVPs like Andrew Ryan, Hazemel Masri. He also takes us through his tri-assist to Hazemel Masri. Really, really great insight there. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Talks about it half-time. They were down 13-6 and shifty. He essentially wasn't worried. He said he just said, you know, if we get good ball, we'll be fine. And turns out he was right. He then dives into the celebrations after the 2004 Grand Final. Unbelievable scenes. Talks about how his time came to an end at Canterbury. He had some personal issues going on. There was a lot going on at that time. And uh, the Canterbury Bulldogs, he didn't get to leave them the way that he wanted to. He played his last game without knowing it. Uh, made his way over to England. It's a really interesting story, especially how much the boys got around Brent when he did announce that he was leaving. A fantastic yarn there. This was a, Brent was an absolute champion bloke. Absolutely loved him. I love getting inside the minds of great halfbacks. And this guy, he's one of the most underrated ever for me. Let's kick it off. Showing again. Across and rolling it in. Upright fancy him. Showing. 
Now, mate, obviously you talk about the young kids coming through. Of course, you had a pretty handy halfback that was uh, in your extended squad, sitting on your bench quite often in Jonathan Thurston. Uh, yourself and, and Brayton Astor, though, you two were on absolute fire. And I think it's I think it's an opinion that people have in hindsight where they say, how could Canterbury possibly let go of JT? But hey, without blowing smoke up your ass, like you and Braith, you two were on fire for those few seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, me and Braith, yeah, we... We had a good combination, mate. We we knew each other's games pretty well. And JT, feeling that we lost him, but like you said, you can't sit you can't sit on the bench if you want to play first grade each week. Every week, you got to kind of go where there's a position. So we had a few good seasons, and um, John O have been the player he was if he stayed at the Dogs. So you, it's there's a lot of oh, look. He's the he's one of the best players in the world, and. I taught him everything I know at training, so. <laughs> <laughs> I nah, nah, mate. He, as a kid coming through, mate, he just loved footy. And he, mate, he wanted to learn. He watched and he he grabbed it with two hands and went with it. And he's, he was, he's turned out to be one of the best players in the game. And, mate, I used to love watching him play. Him and Blake too, so. Have you, uh, have you stayed in touch with JT, mate? Oh, when we catch up, mate, but when I see him at the game, he, he come to a luncheon a few years ago and we had a beer then. And um, he's one of the most level-headed blokes that you'll meet. And footy's, like, we're lucky to play footy and that's that's how he thinks. Like, we're lucky to play footy. We're, it's a privilege to play footy. It's not beyond the best. So it's, you just, like, there's, yeah, there's plenty of jobs out there that are, are, are good, mate, but we're just lucky to play a sport that we love and, and he just grabbed it with two hands and went with it. Now, mate, uh, as we mentioned earlier, it's a roller coaster experience. And before we get to the highs of 2004, of course, you kicked off 2004 with some lows. Uh, there was obviously the Coffs Harbour scandal. We're not going to go into details, but how did that affect the club? Because, I mean, something like that happening in the preseason, I mean, you only expect that, you know, the team would struggle during the season. You guys, you just managed to pull together even stronger. Explain to me the, the sort of effect that had on the club. All, all the crap in the papers, like, um, we knew it was bullshit. So that's kind of brought us together. Like, we knew what had happened and we're just like, this is this is a load of crap. Why are they going on about it? And it sells papers, so they ran with it. And um, I think a few years ago that we had more front page, uh, front page pages than 9-11 had. Wow. For that Coffs Arbor thing. Have, have a look at and see how see that how that works out. But we knew it was all like it's just a load of crap. Um, so we kind of just it brought us together, and then we just went on with it. So um, yeah, I don't really like talking about that because I I don't just to someone trying to to get money out. That's all it was. Mate, you mentioned uh, a couple of days on the front page of the paper. The thing that I remember is, geez, you spent a couple of days on the front of the paper for wearing thongs. That's cost me ten. Oh, cost me five grand. Five grand. That's, yeah, I forgot to take my shoes. They were in my car at Belmore, and me and Mace walked in with uh with with thongs on, and they were just like, "Where are your shoes?" I was like, "Oh, you know." They, we both walked in, got a fine, but that's stuffed up, mate. I, I forgot to take them, and literally had to wear it. <laughs> Slow news day, far out. Yeah, that's right. So, no respect. He's wearing thongs. And I was just like, oh, wow, okay. 
Mate, uh, let's return to the 2004 season. And, um, I mean, you win like eight or nine in a row leading into the finals. You have you have a loss in round 24 against Melbourne, and then you lose week one of the finals. Were they important losses? Were they losses that you potentially needed to have? Oh, no one likes losing, but I think it turned out to be the best thing that we could have had. Yeah. Have had. So when we played, um, I can't remember the Melbourne game, um, but the North Queensland, mate, they came with a game plan and they just were all over us. So we nearly got away with it at the end, but we played terrible. So that kind of gave us confidence saying, if we can play half decent, we should be all right. So we went back, worked on what we wanted, what we did well, and then I think we came back and did the best three games um, that we've played, pretty much played all year. And I, I do remember I had a good Mel- good game against Melbourne. I enjoyed that one. So, but it just led, yeah, led us, gave us the confidence as a team to to go forward. And mate, obviously the last two weeks of that season, you have to knock off Penrith, the defending premiers, and then. I think you knew all along who you were going to play in this grand final, and and for me this was like this was like a UFC fight. It was almost like the story leading up to it was more entertaining than the actual game. It was it was an interesting game of footy, but there was just drop ball everywhere, wasn't there? A bit of a stop start. I remember, yeah, just the light drizzle. Just it was just a pain in the ass, um, and it just yeah, just a little bit of stop start, and I think it was just a lot of pressure on both sides to had this big eruption of a game because that's the build-up they they uh, portrayed it was going to be. So, yeah, it was, it was a good good game, mate. We threw a lot at each other and that's probably why there was so much drop ball because everyone was trying to push that extra pass or um, trying to get over the line just because there wasn't going to be many points scored that we, we knew that. Mate, uh, my listeners have, have been pretty lucky. I've In the last year, I've had Finchie, Fitzgibbon, Minicello on. Obviously, all three are in that team, and they all spoke about weren't overly confident that week. I remember Finchie saying he woke up the morning of the game, and he was in his room with Chris Walker, and Walks looked out the, out the window and said, oh, fuck, it's raining, we're in trouble. And Finchie just sort of thought, Jesus, it's happening again. This happened to us last year. What was your feel around that game? Were you guys confident in the week leading up to it? Um, I can't speak for any of the other boys, but I, yeah, there was a good, there was a confidence. Like we all just, yeah, we all, all knew our job and we were doing it well. And we'd played a few good, good games come leading up to that. Personally, mate, I, I wasn't worried. Eh? I don't know why. I like there's, I think um, I've only watched the game once. Um, and they're at half time, I'm walking off and I'm just like cruising off. Like, not kicking stones or anything like that, just walking off. I, I don't know why, but I kind of just had a feeling that we're going to come back. Uh, if we got enough, if we shared the same amount of ball they had in the first half, I thought we could uh, come away with it and ended up being that way. So, yeah, we're just lucky enough to get the points. Kept them scoreless in the second half, which they hadn't had been held scoreless the whole year. So... Mate, it's really interesting that you say you walked off at halftime. You weren't too fussed. Like, I, I, like I, I was out there at that game, and I just remember the last 10 minutes of the first half, uh, Finchie kicks a field goal out of absolutely nowhere. You blokes kick off. Tupu bursts through and finds Mini on the inside. And then with a few minutes to go in that first half, Minicello crosses the line again. He, that try gets disallowed. Do you look back at that try and think, fuck, if, if that one would have gone through, if, if that one would have been given, 
it's a completely different game, isn't it? 100%. I don't think we would have caught, uh, pulled them back from that if they scored that last, that, uh, that last try. That would have been uh, a little bit too far out of reach. But that last 10 minutes, mate, that was that was... That was crazy. That was intense. They they just stepped it up another 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 uh, another gear. That Finchy field goal. That was like we, we all looked at each other. We were stunned, and that's probably why we we missed the next tackle on Tupu because we we're all kind of going, "Geez, that was a bit. It's a bit early for a field goal." But they, they play well. They finished. I think the last fifteen minutes they were all over us, and we did well. They only let. I think it was two tries in. One try. Early, didn't they? Yeah, um, Brad Fittler put in that chip for Walker. It was unbelievable. <laughs> that was precise. That kick that couldn't have been left a meter or right a meter. That had to be on the spot. And no. he there's was, only uh, one bloke that could put that kick in. Oh, 100%. That was off his left foot, too. I think it was yep. off a different foot. So, yeah, but that's uh, yeah, if that Minocello try went in, mate, I think we'll I think it would have been too a bit too far out of our grasp. Now, mate, it's an old cliche, you know, it's so important to score first in the second half. But for me, I don't think there's ever been a game where the first try in the second half would have been more important than this grand final. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, um, I just, I'd, I don't know, I'd, I had a chat with Braith and we we'll just, I'd, I said, let's swap it back. Because we, I noticed that the, the short side kind of weren't moving, moving up much had some joy in an earlier game against them and we just hadn't had the ball to try that so I started going back and I threw it across the back of the play the ball to Braith he hit Maddie, and then Maddie took three three over in the corner it was in the first five minutes like it was very think, early in the second half I think if it, if it took longer to score it would have been even harder so to get that one out of the road in, within the first five minutes was a great confidence boost for us and, mate, you lay on a try for uh, Hazamel Masri later in the half. And and for me, this is one of two moments in this grand final where it just showed that Canterbury wanted it more. El Masri, you know, he, he should have been wrapped up there well and truly. There was bodies all around him, and he just found a way to get there, didn't he? Yeah, he did, mate, yeah. So, no, I was uh, – I remember Jono was – Jono was on halfback, and I yelled it for it, and I said, Sonny, come under me. So I, I knew I'd get three or four that would go with him. So I just dummy to him and then I just took off and then ran ran straight at Fittler and I was like, oh, shit, I'll, I'll try and see if I can get around him. And he was a bit too quick. But like a good winger, Hazem came in. He didn't stay on his wing. And Jim, mate, Hazem is one of the strongest in the gym. So a couple, like you said, there was a couple of bodies around like clapping, but no one actually jumped on top of him. He, he was still moving. He hadn't stopped. So they keep saying it was a double movement, but the ball wasn't on the ground. So there's no double movement. He was still moving. That's what I say anyway. It counted. <laughs> they all count. And, mate, for me, when you talk about earlier about unstructured footy and you don't see it as much anymore, this this is the moment that I was thinking of when it came to you. And this is a moment in a grand final where a team nowadays, they would just go into their structures, into their block play. But you can't prepare for what you threw at the Roosters. I mean, that's one of the best defensive sides we've ever seen. And on the biggest stage, it's just the instinct footy that you played in that moment that broke that grand final open. I don't, I don't know. I, I used me, I used me forwards well. Like um, like Mace, he used to get a couple of crabs off me. Sonny Bill, Roy. Like you got to use what you the players that are in your side. And I knew Sonny'd get three off me. 
And then I looked up and there was only three outside me with three outside me. So if I could take Fittler over, there's got to be a gap on the inside of him. So I just ran at him. I went away from him and he chased me. And then I went back at him and he chased me again. And that's where Hazem kind of, the little gap for Hazem to get through. And he was strong enough to get over the line. But yeah, just trying to, trying to outside backs room by trying to tackle, get the, the inside blokes like uh, messed up with the, the forwards. That's, that's kind of what, what you're trying to get to. So leave the holes out wide for the boys. And mate, uh, for, for me, as I said, I was I was out of that game. And when that siren went, I, I don't think I've ever heard a louder noise than those Canterbury fans. That was unbelievable. But the last play of that game, um, Finchie throws, in my opinion, probably the best ball of his career. Michael Crocker takes an absolute pearl, and he looks like he's through. And Andrew Ryan makes, and as I said before, there was the El Masri moment, the moment where Canterbury wanted it more. This moment, Canterbury definitely wanted it more. I think it's... We, you know, we all talk about the Scott Sattler tackle. This this tackle is the, the most desperation tackle I've ever seen in a big moment. Simply yeah. incredible. He did two of them. If you actually watched the game, he actually does one on Chris Walker earlier in the game where Chris came from, he's, I think he was on the right side, and he's come through and he's cut through and Bobcat chased him for about 15 metres and pulled him up about half a metre short of the line. So... But that last tackle, mate, that that's someone just just wanted it. Like you say, wanted it a bit more. But that was oh, – I seen that ball. I was on the other side and I seen that ball and I was like, oh, shit. And I, I couldn't even see who got him because Bobcat was just onto him. He just – mate, Bobcat had a great engine. He's, he was kind of out of the Bradley Clyde mould. Mate, he always put his hand up for a run and he would not stop the whole game. And that's why he was one of our, one of the Bulldogs' greatest captains. I think he was, he was a fantastic player and an even better bloke. And Bobcat that night, obviously, you know, we just mentioned the Mick Crocker tackle. You just said the Chris Walker tackle. I mean, he sets up a try for Matt Utah with an absolute seed of a ball. I mean, he was worth 14 points that night. 100%. We don't win that game if Bobcat doesn't play. 100%. I totally agree. He... When he came, he just fit in straight away. Ended up playing. I think he played eight, ten years there, and made, and he's still one of the one of the club legends. The siren goes. The celebrations begin. What are the emotions for you? You're obviously a Canterbury junior that's come all the way through. You've been through the nightmare of 2002, the heartbreak of 2003, the chaos at the start of 2004 to finish this season with a trophy against the Roosters, your arch rivals over the last few years. I mean, you you couldn't write a script better, could you? It felt like it was a long time coming. Like, we felt that we would... Oh, we were cheated, <laughs> you know, too, literally. But, um, yeah, no, it's just after the year we had, just to celebrate with the boys that night, after all the shit that we'd gone through in the, the three years leading up to it, it was just a... Just a the cherry on top of the the cake. Like, it was just, yeah. I can't put it into words, mate. It was unbelievable. It was dead said. It's something I'll never forget, just that when that hooter went and we just ran and just went crazy. It was, oh, it was amazing. Imagine, mate, on a personal level, as we mentioned earlier, you came through in an era of 
some of the best halves ever. And, you know, these guys are playing rep footy. They're getting Dally M's. They're doing this. They're doing that. For you to have that moment where you win that grand final, it's your team. You were on top. Like, on a personal level, I know you're a humble fella, but, geez, it must have been a fantastic feeling. It was, mate. It was. Um, yeah. I just love the boys, mate. And we, we got along so well and the boys around and play my part. That's that's all I tried to do each game. I played my part. I kicked well. I tried to slow them down as much as I can can in defence. Pretty much just grab one leg and hold on until someone helped me. Um, if I just did my part, I knew we'd go a long way to winning it. And to the boys well that night and kick well and I chased my kicks and I just did all the little things well the one percenters that folks used to harp on and I think that's why he was a great coach he used to look at that one percent effort to get that last like if he doesn't do that one percent I reckon they score in the corner yeah no it was just amazing night mate it was just amazing night and no one can take that ring off me I know I know I didn't play Australia or Origin or anything like that, but to win a grand final, my mates, you can't beat it. You mentioned there your kicking game, and uh, my listeners will know I've been a huge fan of yours for a long time, and I always refer to you as having the best short kicking game I think I've ever seen. How many hours went into your kicking game? Mate, I practiced nearly probably every day for 10, 15. Um, some other days I'd do longer. Um, but the, when I when I would train, like we'd get flogged. So then, like you're struggling, you're buggered, and then you, I'd go out and I'd do ten minutes, just ten minutes. But I'd do some long, I'd do some grubbers. So when when your legs are tired, when you're really you're out of breath in a game, because you're going to be the same. I've already done that. I've done it every week, all year in my head. I know I had the confidence that I knew that I'd be able to put it on the mark, and that's probably why why my my short kicking game was good because um, I did practice, and I always I had some of the best chases. Hasimov Masri's like I said said this before: your kick is only good as its chaser because if no one's chasing it, it's not a good kick. So, but he was he was unbelievable. Brayton Asser was one of the best, the most opportunist try scorers I've ever seen. He, I would not be even kicking for him and he'd turn up and score and I'd just go, you're a freak. And he just said, I just knew you were going to do it. And I was like, that's, that's why we got along so well. Yeah, but now the hours, mate. The hours, I put them in there and um, I got the rewards. So it was good. Well, I think, mate, when I look at, you know, your kicking game, I see that you started your career, as we mentioned, with Ricky Stewart. He was probably the best kicker of the generation before. And then Thurston came through under you and then he had the best kicking game of the next generation. It was like the three of you had that 30 years covered, essentially. It was unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was quite good to watch uh, Ricky. Ricky do his stuff and that. And he was an old torpedo, um, torpedo kicker. So Kicking with those bricks, too. With the, yeah, with the leather balls. <laughs> um, no, he, uh, yeah, no, he had a good kicking game and short kicking game as well. So I just kind of got off him... If you don't practice, you're not going to get better. I mean, if, even if you're the best, still got to practice because you get it'll it'll slowly slide away. You'd, if you want to stay up here and you do six six sessions a week, if you don't do those six sessions, go down here and it'll get worse and worse. So 
I used to just try and do as much kicking. I always had boys that wanted to come out with me. I always say, oh, give us 10 minutes. Luke Patton was great. Uh, Hazen was good. Matty Utah didn't really like it too much. If we got flogged, he'd rather go inside. But he'd, uh, he'd, they'd come out time and do give give me 10, 15, and then they'd go in and I'd start doing some long kicking. Uh, but I was always out there, mate, running around, practicing, and my body knew. My body clicked in the mind actually click into gear what I'd done when I was buggered the week before. So it's kind of, practice makes perfect. Mate, I keep seeing that uh, tattoo on your arm there. Obviously, the Premier's 04 tattoo. Uh, tell me, mate, after that game, the celebrations kick off, and I imagine uh, you had a pretty rowdy old-school bunch of fellas in that team, didn't you? Yeah, we had a good crew. <laughs> we had a great crew. Um, yeah, no, we all, we all enjoyed a beer, a drink, and a party, and we uh, certainly did that that night. Um, Fans, mate, I've never seen anything like it. Um, back into Belmore, they were rocking the bus. We're on a two-story uh, double-decker bus, and mate, I thought we're over here. It was rocking that much, and we're just and, uh, down past the Leeds Club, and we came out, and like we even still say this is where the bus was, and like massive area, and we could not see a thing. The flares going off. It was oh, mate, it was insane, insane. It was insane for the next week. What's your, uh, what's your funniest memory from that next week, mate? I imagine there would have been a few uh, candidates that would have stood up for uh, best on ground performances. Yeah, no, there was a few, mate. There was a few few, few uh, all-nighters the first couple of nights. Um, uh... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Yeah. I'll just leave, I'll just leave that one. <laughs> <laughs> we are, yeah, no, we had a good time, mate. It was, um, like I said, we were just great mates and to win a grand final like that, it was the young kids. Yeah. It was just great. Good night. Good times. Tell me this then, uh, Willie Mason takes home the Clive for the game. Who had the Clive Churchill for your, uh, celebrations and who would you give it to? Probably Mace. Yeah. <laughs> back to back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he did a double, mate. Nah, he, uh, he enjoyed a party. Um, I reckon Mace would have given it to Mace too, just quietly. Oh, yeah, 100%. Nah, he, really good to have a beer with Mace. He, you just don't stop laughing the whole time. Um, he's a champion bloke, and he's um, one, of the great, one of the great players that play for the Bulldogs. So, um, deservingly, he got the Clive Churchill, mate, and... I said he. I think he still wore it. He wore it around for a couple of days too. Big noting, <laughs> mate. I've heard him talk about you uh, a few times, and mate, he's one guy. Obviously, he played at a lot of clubs, played with a lot of champion halves. Uh, mate, he holds you in the highest regard. Yeah, no. We, um, <laughs> when we uh, we had a couple of beers, a couple of uh, we went to Mudgy. There was a group uh, nine of us. We had a beer and that, and we had a few, and so so did I. And we were just having a chat, and he. Um, he was started talking, giving a bit of a meaning, uh, meaningful talk and that, and just had a chat to me about that, and saying he 
he said, I have a listen to me podcast. He said, I'm, he said, Shifty, he goes, I do rate you as one of the best halfbacks I've played with. And, and, um, and that was really nice coming from a teammate, um, especially Mace, because he, you don't know if he's telling lies or mucking around, <laughs> but, but he, he meant it. And, um, I love Mace and he, uh, yeah, he gave me a big rap and I appreciate that's what I, that's all I want I just want me forwards to have um, confidence in me and um, and that's coming from him that was uh, that was good tell me about uh, 2005 mate uh, obviously you've climbed the mountain in 04 and it's you know it's not a one-year mountain it was essentially a three-year mountain for you guys how hard was it to come back in 2005 and try and do it all over again that's quite tough mate um, uh, 2005 was a bit of a blur for me. Um, personally, I actually, uh, no one knows this, but I got divorced in 05. Mm. Um, so I was having a rough time and yeah, a bit of a blur that year. Um, ended up breaking my thumb at the end of the year and just a, just a bad year for me personally. So, um, so I'm not, yeah, we just, we just couldn't get it going on the field. Um, other things off the field were playing, causing havoc, and people moving around and this and that. So a bit of O five was yeah wasn't a wasn't a good year for me. And I think, mate, you know, aside from um, from the personal stuff you had going on, just as a team, I think this is this is something that's really underrated in rugby league. The price you pay for success, the guys that leave, the guys that move on. I, I, I think what the Roosters have done, you know, winning back-to-back premierships in the last three years or whatever, like, to be able to climb that mountain again, I think people take for granted just how difficult it is. Oh, mate, unbelievable two years in a row. Um, Melbourne, they know how to... Mate, Craig Bell, I'd love to watch him train or coach. So I, I think... I know he, they reckon he goes he goes crazy in the box and that, but they reckon when you're one on one, mate, he's like he knows his stuff, and he gets the players that go there. They just brings out the best in him. Like he's, I just love to I'd love to watch him work. And he that organisation, the Roosters of Melbourne, are the best two organisations for consistency for the last 10, 15 years, twenty years even uh, that we've seen, and I don't think we'll see it again for a while. Oh, mate, it, it, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, and, and and even in this comp, you have a look. I think over the last twenty years, I think I think twelve teams have won premierships. So it's you know it's so hard to go back to back. It's so hard to stay relevant for three years, realistically. Like it, what the Roosters get, what they lose. Shit, they went bang bang out, didn't they? Yeah, so they they, they won eighteen, won nineteen, then they went out. You know, in yeah. straight sets. But, but to be up there. For three years in a row, it's, that's an amazing, amazing achievement. Uh, um, I went when they lost Victor Radley. I, I actually said when they when they lost him, I said they, I said they'll struggle to win a comp without him. He's one of the best players in the game at the moment. He's like a uh, he's like a third halfback on on the Roosters side, isn't he? Hundred percent. The one percenters like he, he turns up. He takes the hard carries. He takes the easy carry. He takes. Whatever you want him to do, he's there, and he don't he doesn't stop. So same as that Cam Murray, yep. him and Kim and Cam Murray, they're, they're very similar players, and very good players for their side. And when either of them are out for their side, those sides struggle. Mate, you come back in two thousand and six. You uh you play finals footy that season. 
Um, and, you know, it's sort of the end of 2006. Would it be fair to say it's it's the beginning of the end for your time at, at Canterbury? A um, uh, little bit. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't have a too bad a season in 2006. Everyone talks about the 02 to 04. Yep. Because um, they were so dominant those years. Um, but we, we played some good footy in 06. We had some, some young guys again coming through. We just... Um, and I think we lost the week before the semis, the grand final. Yeah. Again, uh, I think we lost about four of them the the week before the grand final. We just couldn't couldn't get over. Only got over the line once to get to a grand final and got a win. So, but uh, yeah, no, we played well that year and come up short a little bit and back to the drawing board. And we got a few more players the following year, and it's kind of. 02 to 04, we had the kind of the same players the whole three years. Yeah. And I think that's what sides are missing these days. They, well, they even, like they're halfway through preseason, they go to another side now. It's crazy. So I've never seen, it's like the NFL at the moment. A little oh, bit. mate, that's exactly what it is. It's becoming uh, Americanized. Yeah, it is. So um, when I was in England, I played in England for three years and, Six months ago in my contract, I went and played with Kevin Walters at Catalans. Moved from Castleford to Catalans. And I, was, I didn't know what was going on. And then guess what? The first, uh, I think the sec, my second game was against Castleford. So I, was, I had to go back to where I started. So, <laughs> Use the same but, locker. Um, <laughs> um, but no, that was, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy at the moment. Everyone's just, I'm kind of, that's a better deal. I'm going there. Like it's, I don't think the deals are worth what the weight in gold at, anymore, like they used to be. Like Bullfrog used to have a handshake deal. That's that's not existent now. Yeah, mate. But before we get to your time in England, two thousand and seven, uh, Canterbury made the finals again. You lose your last four games on the trot, starting in round twenty four, all the way through to the semi final. Of course, uh, the semi final against the Eels that would be your last game in blue and white. Did you? Or the time you were playing that game that there was the potential it was going to be your last game? No. Nah. No. No. Nah. No, nah, I was I still had one more year. Um and I'll um always gonna see that year out, but Castleford came because they'd won the grand final in the bottom division in the Premier League and they were going up not Premier League, the whatever the league is underneath Super League. Yeah. Um and they said the job's here now. Not next year," he said. "If we're going to sign a halfback, we get, we want him for more than two years, not not one." And I played 191 first grade games. I wanted to get the 200, and I just spent. Do you know what? I think it changes. Like I'd been there since I was 15, and I was 29 then. So I'd been 14 years at the Bulldogs. I was like, you know what? I might see how I go. Go overseas and see how I go. And then yeah, so I ended up ended up signing and asked for a release, and they were they were. They said that I gave them plenty of good service, so they released me. Just having a look at this side from 2007, obviously when you had to tell guys like Pat and Elmazri, Utah, O'Mealy, Mace, Sonny Bill, Andrew Ryan, all these guys that you'd want a premiership with a few years before, I imagine that would have been a, a tough conversation for you. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it was. Um, I actually sent out a text. I, I couldn't I couldn't talk to them. Because... When it happened, when they told me that I was released, they said that they'd released it themselves. 
And I was like, and I didn't even have a chance to speak to them. A couple of them knew that I was thinking of it. So I quickly sent a text out to the boys and um, Sonny Bill Williams and Willie Tonga actually brought a carton around to me unit where I was living at Cronulla. And we sat in the unit and had a few beers. And um, I thought that was, that was really nice. And then I went and we met all the boys um, later that night at Northies, I'd say. Um, and had a few beers there, so they showed a lot of love when I when I left, and they understood what, what I was, why I was going. I was so it's a new challenge for myself, and a, like a is it what do they call it? Um, a holiday or a change is as good as a holiday. holiday so, yeah. so the other side of the world, why not? <laughs> Mate, I'm sure at the time that moment would have been special, but in hindsight, looking at what Sonny Bill Williams has gone on to do and achieve and the sort of person he is now as a worldwide athlete for him to hear that you're leaving and take some beers over to your house. It must be, must be very humbling. Mate, I, oh, mate, I, I still tell that story. I, that was, um, it was, it actually, yeah, it's hard to think of it. Like Willie Tonga and, and Sonny, I only known him for what, three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the respect they had to come around with some beers and, um, has him rang up and blew up at me because I he goes who's going to kick for me now so <laughs> um, but he was the only one that blew up but then again he was he um, had his best wishes for me for what I was trying to do and what I was doing and um, he had uh, I organised one a Saturday night before I was leaving and every one of the boys come uh, we had it at the old Coyotes Caring Bar. And mate, I've never seen so many people there, and I was—it was just really heartwarming to have had so many people there come for me before I took off. I'm sure since then you've had every Bulldogs fan that's ever seen you come up and thank you for what you did for the club. But was it a bit disappointing that you didn't have that moment to say goodbye to the fans after a game, or situation 100%, could have been? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I would have loved to have um, thanked the fans and and told them how much they meant to me. Um, it's really nice now. I get, not often, but I get a few people that come up to me and just say, do you think you could play again? <laughs> and I go, nah, nah, I'm done. I'm done. But they just said, we just, we used to love watching you play. We loved how, how you were. You're a, you're a bulldog through and through. And that's what I love when they say that. Mate, I've got um, I've I've got an under 16s team that I coach, and uh, I've got one kid that always shows up in a Canterbury singlet. And I, I was at training last night. And I said to him, "Oh, I've got Brent Sherwin on tomorrow night." And I sort of thought, oh, "I wonder if he's going to know who Brent Sherwin is." And he straight away went, "Oh, Shifty! Oh, Dad's told me about Shifty. He was in the 04 Grand Final." And mate, for you to, you know, for for a kid that's age 15, I mean, you stopped playing in 07. That was 13 years ago. Now he's only 15 and he still remembers who you are, knows about you. It, it Mate, it says a lot. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, uh, when you get the old, um, you're a bit strange, you played footy. like. But you get them every now and again. But no, that's really nice. I'm, I'm glad he's, uh, his dad uh, enjoyed watching me play footy. Um, I certainly love playing footy for the dogs. And um, I've got to... Had some good years in the sun, mate, playing footy, playing a sport that I loved. So now it's the real world and got a family and yeah, moving on. So but it's good to good to look back and have a chat with you, people like you and who um love I love talking to people that love footy. 
um, not the silly questions. I, I like talking footy. So, um, yeah, it's good to good to meet these those people. Mate, uh, what does the future hold for Brent Sherwin? Um, uh, plenty of footy, mate. I've got three boys. So, um, they're only young. They're all eight, eight, six, and two at the moment. So, um, but I've, uh, I've got a truck. I drive a Veolia um, uh, waste bin, hook bin truck. So I work nights, actually. I worked last night and I've got my driver in it today. So she goes, um, well, not quite 24-7, but she goes close enough. And, um, yeah, just just living, mate, working. And um, I wish I was still playing footy, but, yeah, you can't do it forever. So I love watching the... I'm hoping the Bulldogs go well this year, mate. I'm, I'll uh, watch very closely and um, they've recruited well. So I wish Trent and and the boys all the best. Uh, they're a great bunch of boys and I enjoyed my time the last few years working with them. Mate, are your two oldest boys, are they uh, playing footy yet? Yeah, Brax. Uh, Brax is, he's, uh, turns nine soon and he's um, he loves his footy. He um, had a couple of injuries a few years ago. He broke his leg and arm in the space Ooh. of freaking eight months. Jeez, that's a tough gig. He broke his leg at uh, school. Um, tib fib did both, so he's um, getting his confidence back slowly. But um, yeah, he, he's uh, he's looking forward to it. He loves his Oz tag at the moment, and um, and Nash, me middle one, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't playing footy this year. He wanted to go to Nan and Pops and just play at Nan and Pops. And then we said, "Do you want to play?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, I'll have a game." And he scored four tries his first game, and I went, "Okay, he's turned the corner." <laughs> The year before, mate, he wouldn't even get tackled. He'd get up and he'd he'd, he'd go, oh, my knees are wet. This is this is bullshit. <laughs> so, and my youngest, mate, he's going to be my craziest. He's absolutely loose. So it'll be interesting and um, yeah, looking forward to watching him grow up, mate. Are you uh, are you the sort of father that'll get in and coach the boys, or are you happy to let someone else take over? Uh, I coached Brax a couple of years ago because there was no one else that was there and that was probably one of the toughest assignments I'd ever done. So coaching an under six side, and I was just a little bit beyond <laughs> beyond them. Andrew Mortimer actually coaches my young, he coached both my sons, Steve Mortimer's son. Um, and he's fantastic with the kids, mate. And he's really uh, put them in a good stead for the future. And uh, I think I just like, I like doing one-on-one with the boys. Not yet. I don't see, I want them to have fun. I don't want him to. I don't want to harp on him so they actually don't want to play footy. Yeah. So I just let them go. And at the moment, mate, the boys play everything: golf, cricket. They play Ausdale. They they do everything. So I'm happy just to do everything with them. And when when they get serious, then I'll I'll start trying to help them a little bit. It's funny, mate. Being a teacher myself, you know, every year we get these new these five year olds arrive at school, and I always go and meet all the fathers, and they're telling me how they're going to play footy this year. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And I sort of sit there thinking, fuck, little do you know you're going to be playing duck, duck, goose with a football for the next year. <laughs> you don't know what you're getting yourself into. It's chaos. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's, yeah. Couple of people said they're playing footy, aren't they? And I was like, oh, well, that's their life. I chose to play footy. They can choose what they want to do. Yeah. Like if they don't want to play footy, they don't have to. They want to play soccer. They want to play badminton. I'd be at the badminton training and I'd be at the game. So I don't really... Yeah, I'm not – they don't have to play footy just because I played footy. Brax actually hits the golf ball pretty well. So I'm I'm happy – I'm not teaching him, but I'm happy to say, Braxy, let, 
I get to play golf if he plays golf. So that's that's how I get it over the line. You might have to send him in the direction of Braith just quietly. I've seen him strike him. Mate, yeah, but that's one thing we used to do back in 02 to 04. There was, we had about 10 that played golf. And every Wednesday, I used to play a couple of times a week. I think Braith, I played with Braith one day at New South Wales. And he shot six under and didn't play that well. And I just looked at him and just said, You're, it's, that's not fair. And I asked him, I said, how many hole-in-ones you got? Thinking he'd say one. He goes, three. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I haven't, I actually, I think I've been about about that twice. I think I hit the pin once and it just sat next to it. That's the closest, but no hole-in-ones. If I do get one, it'll be like a celebration of the A4 Grand Final, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll get Mason and his Clive Metal, uh, Metal and walk around with it, big note. And- You'll have to take it off his neck, mate. He's still got it under his shirt. (laughs) Shifty, mate, uh, I appreciate your time. I congratulate you on everything uh, you've achieved in your career and post your career. I mean, at the end of the day, being a premiership winning halfback, it's an elite club. There's not many guys in that club, and uh, you're a member of that. It's a a pretty special thing, mate. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Um, I I had some good years in the sun, I keep saying, um, and I really enjoyed... The, my teammates, the people I got to know and got to meet against. And, um, yeah, I just, yeah, had a great time while I played footy. So hopefully I can get back involved soon and we'll see where we go with that. Uh, mate, the best is yet to come in fatherhood. So I wish you all the best, mate. And uh, hopefully we talk to you soon. 100% anytime. I've got your number now. So, yeah, don't be, don't be a stranger. No, it definitely won't. I'll be annoying you. You'll be wanting to delete it soon. I appreciate your time, mate. We'll talk to you soon. Too easy, mate. You have a good day. Thanks, mate. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 